Hey there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in him and who we are to him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. This is a, a pivotal point in this book of Song of Solomon. We're going to see a change start to dramatically take place within the heart of the shepherd girl. Now, she's still going to struggle with her identity. She's still going to struggle with um, what it is that the king has spoken into her about herself. But we're going to see a change start to shift, and it's going to get more and more dramatic as you go through the rest of the book. And so I just feel like I need to point that out right here because this is a powerful point in her life and the greatest day in your life will be the day that you decide to um, accept your new identity of what the King of Kings says that you are. And I think it's awesome because we get to see that happen right here at the starting of chapter number two. We see her start to grasp onto it. And she's going to relapse a little bit, just like all of us do in her identity. And you know, just because you accept your identity doesn't mean you don't have days where you just where you get overcome and you allow your feelings to dictate um, your mental state or your feelings to dictate your behavior. Um, her feelings will fluctuate between I'm worthy and I'm not worthy. I'm worthy. I'm not worthy. And so this is going to be a lifetime uh, teaching session for her, just like it will be for us. It takes him eight chapters um, of speaking life into her to reverse a lifetime of teaching for her. And so I think it's unique that we see an eight-chapter uh, display that's for reason because uh, for many of us it takes years and years and years. Um, when you grow up with a mindset that God is distant or that you God is, uh, his love for you is based upon your behavior or upon your performance, it takes a, quite a while to undo that teaching, to undo that mindset. And so if you struggle with it, don't feel bad. Don't feel like you are uh, just not getting it because it's something that takes daily refreshing of saying, Father, teach me who I am. Help me unlearn uh, familiar so that I can run and cling to truth. And in your teaching um, of me, Father, would you help me to grasp what it is that you're saying? And so um, she, has, she makes a statement here that's very, very powerful in chapter number two. And it's uh, chapter number two and verse number one is where we're going to start with. And she just simply says this, I am the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valleys. And I think it's beautiful um, for, for, for many reasons, but for one is that the rose of Sharon is a name that, you know, we've often, if you grew up in church, you hear that ascribed to Jesus, the song, Jesus, Rose of Sharon. And uh, we just, we sing that about him and make that as a declaration about Jesus, when in fact, there has never been um mentioned that Jesus or is is the picture of the rose of Sharon that is always a picture of us and that is not something that that um that you know Jesus has ever said about himself it's something that she has claimed as her identity and she has declared her acceptance of this identity it's what the king desires for us to do to live and to operate from the understanding that we have his affirmation and we no longer um, live for or uh, um, attempt to earn his affirmation. We're not what we feel. We are what his word reveals to us. And our identity in him is now that we are 
royalty. And let me just say the greatest day of your life will be discovered in the moment you choose to operate in the way that God sees you instead of the way that you see yourself. You are no longer what you once were. Everything that you have done up to this point uh, has served as a vehicle, just a vehicle to bring you closer to your understanding of God. You are his and you're exactly what he's wanted. You know, I look at my life and I look at all the events that lead up to this point now where I am, and it's tempted sometimes, I'm tempted sometimes to look at the, the past events of life and say, you know, had I done things differently, I could have uh, been a, a better bride <laughs> to God. I could have been more uh, productive in my service to God had I just grasped my understandings better or uh, grasped them earlier on in life. But the truth is, I needed exactly what I had in my life in order to reach exactly what I have um, with my understanding with him. So you look at your past events. I think of the lady at the well. When Jesus came and found her and he spoke to her and he gave her living water, she ran off to tell the people, uh, tell the men specifically, um, what God had done for her. And if you notice in that story, think back for a minute, the lady at the well, when she ran back, once um, she came to the guys, when she came to the village, she didn't say, she said, come and meet this person who told me everything I have ever done. There's something key about that passage, everything I have ever done. He didn't say, come tell me about, the, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. She said, let me tell you about the one who told me everything that I had ever done. It was everything that, had, that she had ever done that brought her to the well in the first place. Like she was there at a time of day when, when nobody else came for a reason. You go to some place where no one else is at the time of day when no one else goes there because you don't intend to run into anyone because you don't want to run into anyone. She wasn't wanting to be around people based upon her life and her history and everything that she had sung with her life up to that point. Uh, it was not something she was proud of. In fact, she wanted to be around when no one else was around because she just didn't want to be around other people. She didn't want to have to look in anyone else's eyes. She didn't want to have to speak to anyone. She just wanted to get in and get out and get what she wanted and needed from the well and go back home. She didn't want to be seen out and about in public. And the fact is she was there and Jesus saw her and he brought up everything she'd ever done. Well, wait a minute. Why did that mean so much to her? It was the everything that she'd ever done that brought her to the well at that time of day. Had anything in her life been different, she would not be where she was at the time when she met Jesus. And man, I look back on my own life and the events that I had been through through, the things that I had done, even in the name of God, uh, in the name of trying to please him, trying to, striving to to be valuable to him and important to him. The day that I met him, I realized that every event in my life, every event, every event, every person, every conversation I've had, every time I was ever wounded or hurt, in even in out of uh, just trying to serve him and being wounded in the process by people who claim to be Christians, I look back at those events and all of a sudden it's like, man, how in the world can I be angry at them or upset with them? How can I be bitter? How can I be frustrated with myself? Those events were what I needed in order to bring me to the place where I looked at Jesus and said, listen, I'm hungry for you. I need to have you. I want to have you in my life. And I want to have more than just this uh, this relationship that says it's God up here and Dan down here, and Dan's going to spend his life serving God and, and living for Jesus. Man, I needed to have him in my life. I was hungry and I was desperate, and I called out and said, I need to know who you really are for me. I want to know how you feel about me. I've got to know how you feel. I've got to know where I rate with you. I've got to know where my 
where I am in your heart. I want to know my value. I don't find my value in people. My The, the people that I've put in my life to give me value are failing me. The the things that I've put in my life are failing me. The the ap- occupation and the, 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 the things that I gained as my a reason or my my purpose they've fallen away and I need to know who I am I need to know who Daniel is to you man I was hungry for him when I came to that point that's what I needed but all of those events allowed me to look back and all of a sudden look in the mirror and no longer see just Daniel this guy that was struggling to be loved I looked in the mirror and saw myself as the Rose of Sharon the Lily of the Valleys the day that I chose to accept and operate out of how he has seen me was the day that changed my life. And the day that your life will change will be the day that you no longer choose to operate how you see you, but choose to operate how he sees you. And you look back at the events in your life, not as wrongdoings or not as failures or not as um, weaknesses, but you look back at those things in life simply as a vehicle that it took for you. Some people need jail to find God. Some people need the loss of a loved one or a debilitating accident or, or something in their life to take place. They, t- they need uh, losing everything that they own. Some people need that in order to get desperate enough to find God and hungry for God. But I promise you, for me, it was that place of loneliness, that place of despair, that place of despondency, even surrounded by people telling me that they love me. It was that place of emotional loneliness that drove me to the point where I had to, something had to give and something had to change. He doesn't want us to live in the past. He no longer wants us to rehearse the pain and disappointment that we previously experienced. We stop and we just take a look around the garden. Stop and take a look around the chamber of where you now stand and say, hey, the now is where God wants me to be. This feeling, this understanding that I am with him. Man, they just got done making love in the garden. Remember that for the first chapter we've been reading through that? It culminated to that, that expression, communication, expression, and rest. And now they're in that resting moment, and she is meditating on what has just been communicated to her. And she stops and realizes, wait a minute, I just made love to the king. You know, in the book, in the book aspect of it, the, the story, the lyrics, she has just looked around the garden, and now she's laying there in the garden, and she's saying, wait a minute, I'm with him. She's laying there, he's sleeping with her, and she's laying there in his arms, and she opens her eyes, and she inhales the king's fragrance, and she looks around, she looks up and sees the darkness of the night, she sees the, the treetops, and she sees the garden, she says, wait a minute, where I am is so different from where I was, and I'm in the arms of this man who has told me that he loves me, I'm in the arms of this one, I'm saved. I'm secure. This garden is surrounded by his bodyguards. Nothing can harm me. I'm with this person who only desires the best for me. And I'm with this person who only desires the greatest things of life for me. And she says, I am now going to operate. I am who he says I am. I don't understand it all, uh, but I accept it. I accept this identity and I am going to operate on the fact that I am who he says I am. He just compared me to a rock rose and I am a rose. I am this. I am this. I am this. And she begins to to operate out of that excited that in, in that in uh, name that was given let me just say that your past is gone and it may or may not have happened the way that you plan to live in it, but live in the moment of discovery, knowing that you are exactly what God has always wanted and what he desired you to be. He wants you just as you are. If there's anything about you that needs to be changed in order for him to uh, more effectively conduit through you, then the Holy Spirit of God will teach you that and will show you that. It will not be from a man to say, hey, listen, you need to change this about yourself in order to be more pleasing to your king. No, the king will teach 
teach you what he needs to show you and what needs to be changed. If anything needs to be changed, the king will show you those changes. Let him teach you. Let him explain to you the changes in life. You're beautiful and you bloom in a way that stirs his heart. And at this very moment, you are demonstrating to every single person around you that his love and attention have made you confident and strong. And when you operate from that, people look at you and say, how is it so different? And people that know me or that knew me in the past say, you are, you seem different. And I am different. Why? What's different about me? I'm operating and I'm blooming uh, as a rose because of what God has said that, that I am in him. And I'm going to operate in bloom in his opinion of me, no longer in my own opinion of myself and no longer in the opinion of other people around me. I am God's. I am God's. And his heart is waiting for the day that you and I fully accept and live from his affirmation and no longer for his affirmation. When I read Colossians 2 where it said, I am complete in him. We either accept that or we don't. We either say, you know what, I am complete or we say, you know what, I'm incomplete. And I have to find things to fill the gaps and I need to find things and activities to, to fill the void of my value system. This morning, I just challenge you, if you wake up in the garden with God, that you take this moment to look at a verse like Colossians where it says, you are complete in him. To look at passages, even in the Song of Solomon, where he says, you're the Rose of Sharon, and say, wait a minute now, the lyrics are the story of this girl and the boy, the melody is the sexual content, but I'm choosing to look at the message. And the message is, why Why did this book, why is this in the, even in the Bible? Why am I able to read this book? It's a message. It's God's word to me into my heart. And what the king is saying to me is, Daniel, you are complete. Daniel, you are a rock rose. Daniel, you are growing up in, in my garden. Daniel, you've been planted where I have chosen to plant you and Daniel you are you are altogether lovely and he begins to speak into those things into my heart and into my spirit and Daniel you've accepted me Daniel you have my spirit within you Daniel there's nothing that that uh, you can do that can ever undo what you have done for me uh, man I look at those things in, my, in those words that he speaks in my heart and at one point in your life or another in my life I have to choose to accept that I choose to accept that and to walk in that as my identity and my identity is no longer in a title. My identity is no longer in who, what I have, what I do, what people think of me. You guys, that is the world's mindset. The world mindset is your identity is based upon what you have, what you do, or what people have think of you. That's the world. So when you read in Romans, it says, Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Is he's don't be, don't fall into the world's mindset of finding your identity in what you do, what you have, and what people think of you. Find your identity. Let your identity be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind is simply saying, Father, help me remove what is untrue and help me run to, to what is true. Help me leave what's familiar for what's true. And I look around me, and growing up, most of the church's mindset that I grew up in, uh, the mindset was a worldly mindset. And we say the world, worldly mindset is, a worldly lifestyle is uh, drinking, smoking, cursing, and chewing, and running with those that do. That's the world's mindset. But the world's mindset is not that. Those are all symptoms, and those are all behaviors based upon the need to find identity in what you do, what you have, and what people think of you. I just saw it in a different way. I didn't see the drinking, the cursing, the smoking, the chewing 
I saw my I saw identity being built up and rooted in the fact that we have a big building or we have a lot of buses that run and we have a, do a lot of service activity service and and our identity is based upon what people think of us across the board uh, across nationally as a church and and I saw um, a lot of that going on and that behavior manifested and our and our identity was built upon what we had as a church our identity is built on what we did the activities and our identity was built on what people thought of us what other denominations, what other churches thought of us. But honestly, the day that I discovered that, my identity was based upon him and what he spoke into me. Man, I made that choice, and I dropped it. I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. So I love it as she lays in his arms that morning in the garden. She looks down into his eyes, and she just says, I am the Rose of Sharon that stirred his heart. Because she had never said that about herself before. She is repeating back to him what he has spoken to her. And the day that you look into God's eyes and you simply say, today I choose to accept and operate out of what who you say I am rather than what I say I am. I don't necessarily understand it, but I look in the mirror and I say, I'm spotless. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm seated in the heavenly places. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I am salt. I am light. I am an expression of the heart of God. And I begin to rehearse those things back. I begin to speak those things back into existence that God spoke into me the day that he created me. Man, if you ever need to know uh, who you are to God, just simply ask him, who are you? And God will begin to show you himself. And when he shows you himself, you take those things and you say, okay, that's what I am. If God says I'm righteous, then I'm righteous because I wear his righteousness. If God says I have value, then I have value. If God's holy and he indwells me, then that means that he has made me holy. And my behavior is not what I do. Even Paul struggled with that. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. Those things that I do, those are the things I don't want and, and those things that I have. And he, what was that all about? He was just simply saying that I am not my behavior. My behavior does not reflect who it is that God has made me. When God made you new, to look in the mirror and say, I am new. I may not feel new, but I'm new. Look in the mirror and say, I am holy. I may not feel holy, but God has made me holy. To look in the mirror and say, I am righteous. I wear God's righteousness. To look in the mirror and say, I have God's spirit within me. Accepting that identity. Accepting that today's challenging homework is look in the mirror and to simply say, God, I choose your opinion of me over my own. Your day will drastically change. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, make sure you smile today smile and that's getting weird.